It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rear, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. In a really bizarre parallel that I hadn't figured out until I started writing the piece that will accompany this podcast, last year I wrote a piece on the Friday, the same week of the playoffs, talking about how Warriors fans could watch Game 6 of the Clippers, then Blazers series, to see who was going to win that game and see who was going to win that series. And in that piece, I argued that Warriors fans should root for the Clippers because they were saddled with injuries and thus a weaker opponent. That basic story is in place for Friday's game, this time between the Clippers and the El- and the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City. That'll be game six. And the series has been fascinating. And of course, it has relevance to the Warriors because it's the team that they're going to play next. So what I decided to do for this episode was give Warriors fans a little background on where the series has been, give them an idea of who they should be rooting for, and what to most importantly, what to look for in terms of the series. And that's absolutely where I'm going to start. So the first thing to watch in this game, and it's going to focus on the Jazz, because if the Clippers win, then it'll go to Game 7, you can watch both teams. But you want to watch the Jazz, because if the Jazz win, then that's the game the Warriors play on Sunday. One, The key thing to watch for me is how the Clippers defend the pick and roll. And it is important to note that the Warriors' pick and roll offense is both less frequent and different than the Clippers. So you're not necessarily looking for specific applications like, oh, you know, when Chris Paul snakes the pick and roll by running this way, see how the Clippers react to it or something like that. It's more a basic idea, which is, can the Clippers run the pick and roll well enough and can the Jazz defend it well enough with two guys? So if the if the Jazz need to send help, that's something that is relevant for the Warriors because while Chris Paul and Steph Curry are very different point guards, defending them is a challenge both ways. George Hill, whoever they throw on him, they've actually had Joe Ingles on Chris Paul at various moments, which is strange. So how they defend that is very important because against the Warriors, if you have to help on that pick and roll or that action, if it's a dribble handoff, whatever it really is, similar no matter what, that opens up a lot of things for them. Especially if it's like Draymond or Zaza Pachulia that's involved in the pick and roll because almost everybody else that the Warriors play has a ton of shooters. So if the Jazz need to send help at Chris Paul, at DeAndre Jordan, however they're going to do it, how if they handle the roll guys, that will be worth watching. And it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it together. And the Jazz are certainly capable at full strength of doing that. I think George Hill is one of the best defensive point guards in the league at full strength, and Gobert is not all the way back from his hyperextended knee plus a bone bruise, but he still has, you know, he looked a lot better in game four 
or sorry, game five than he did in game four, which is when he returned. So I think that's the big thing I want to watch is the pick and roll defense for the Jazz and everything else. The next one is a little bit more nebulous, but still really important, which is the Gobert-Derek Favors dynamic. So Derek Favors was battling back from injuries and played pretty limited minutes during the end of the regular season. And the expectation was, you know, he'll be a, a small part, but an important part of what the Jazz do early on. And then, you know, if he finds his footing, then he'll get a larger role. Gobert got hurt 11 seconds into game one, and that pushed Favors into an entirely different role. And he did a pretty good job. He, you know, he was playing more minutes than you expected. He did get tired. He did get a little bit sloppy in a couple of those. I think it was in game three in particular. He got a little bit off towards the end, but he still did a pretty good job. I was impressed with it. And when Gobert came back, there was kind of a question of, okay, how are they going to do this? Because at different moments in time, they've played Gobert, you know, they played those guys together, they played them separate, they've used favors as Gobert's backup, lots of different things. And the other element that changed the situation is that at almost exactly the same moment, Gobert returned from injury, their other center, Jeff Withy, was accused of uh, domestic violence. And so while they've claimed that it was a basketball decision, the Jazz have taken Withy out of the rotation. I believe he was even inactive for the last two games. So what they have done in the two games that Gobert has been back, and this was most notable in game five, the last one, which the Jazz won on on a couple of really big shots, was they used Gobert as the starting center, and then they used Favors as his backup, and they ran it pretty much as a straight platoon, meaning that when Gobert went out, Favors went in and vice versa. Those guys have played a lot together, but they've also played a lot separately, and if they're trying to work Favors back more slowly, that can make some sense. The other idea with that, and this is kind of where I was going originally, and this is more of how Game 4 looked when Gobert's first came back, was that that would be closer to a 50-50 split. You know, Gobert's working his way back, Favors is too, but then it was really surprising in the next game, in Game 5, the last one, where Gobert played 35 minutes, again, having hyperextended his knee a week before, and Favors only played 13. So, you know, they still did the platoon thing, and they did that. And so, how much Gobert plays, how much Favors plays, how much they play together, all of those things really matter, because the Warriors challenge opponents in very different ways, but they're also susceptible to things like a good offensive rebounding team, which the Jazz certainly can be, and then just the dynamics with Utah change around a lot depending on how you you fit the rest of the pieces around it. And there are a couple of different elements to this that I think are really interesting. So one is, the more you play Gobert and Favors together, the less they have of some of the other guys they play at power forward. So Trey Lyles, their young guy, has actually basically been out of the rotation. It's really been Boris Diaw, who has been starting during this time, and then Joe Johnson. So Joe Johnson, longtime Hawk, longtime Net. Then last year he got bought out of his Net. He agreed to a buyout of his Nets contract, went to Miami, had a really nice playoff run for them, signed a two-year deal with the Jazz. And really, for the first time I can remember in his career, he's gotten a little bit older and the way that the league has gone. He's mostly playing on this team. He's playing a lot of power forward. And that means he's typically guarding fours. And then he's also, you know, offensively, generally they're having to do that. And they're a reason I want to get into for it's kind of the third big bullet point for the series after this is kind of why. But Johnson has done a really nice job in that capacity. And he's been on a key part of their crunch time lineup, despite all their other wing depth. And I want to see how Quinn Snyder, Utah's coach, manages that 
as Gobert and Favors kind of work their way back to full health because they're going to have to strike all these balances. It might be that Boris Diaw loses out. He's also the guy that I think is the most susceptible to the Warriors specifically. He's not great at defending in space. The Warriors make basically everybody, but especially power forwards, defend in space because if they if they want to run stuff involving Draymond because he puts the ball in his hands so much, typically he plays the four, so it's going to involve him. So those are all big things. And then the other one, the kind of the other big bullet point to focus on is watch Utah's perimeter players, but particularly the term I usually use is swingman. So swingman is basically everybody who's not a point guard and not a big. I typically use it for shooting guards and small forwards, but you know, especially if Joe Johnson's playing power forward, he's a swingman. That's really what he is. And Utah, through drafting well, through identifying players as free agents, has a shockingly deep rotation there. The Warriors, I've talked about this before, the Warriors are actually pretty shallow at the swingman spots. They have incredible talent. They're very top heavy, but they're not very deep. So the Warriors really have Clay and Durant, and then they have Iguodala and then McCaw and Barnes when he's healthy as the kind of the backup guys. And of course, Iguodala plays a lot of minutes. The Utah Jazz have Gordon Hayward, who's all-star caliber. They have Rodney Hood, who's very, very good. They have Joe Ingles, who has been an absolute star at moments in terms of his role. He's not like an all-star or anything crazy like that, but he's been one of the league's best three-point shooters. He also is a very good passer, and he's just kind of a pain in, in a way that I think could be a real problem for the Warriors. He's, he's not like, you don't want to use the thing because he's, you know, he's from Australia that he's an instigator like Delhi, but he has a little bit of that in him. So that's worth watching too. And then sometimes they, they have Joe Johnson, who often plays at power forward, but they have him as well. And that is a lot of depth. And the Warriors are one of the few teams that really put out all of those minutes with quality guys. The Jazz could do that exact same thing. And then I guess you could say the last thing, and I'm, I don't think this is going to be a full bullet point, but worth watching is Utah's backup point guard situation because the Jazz, they traded the, I think it was the 11th overall pick f- functionally for George Hill at, on draft day last year. It was kind of a big surprise. And he's done a really wonderful job for them. He's still dealing with injuries just like he seemingly always is, but they've had a big problem figuring out what happens behind him. So they've tried out Dante Exum, who was a high draft pick a couple of years ago, and then tore his ACL and has kind of been working his way, worked his way back last year, and he's still kind of shaky. Shelvin Mack has been inconsistent. And then Hull Neto is probably their most consistent of those options. Solid defensively, not really spectacular offensively. But those minutes are going to be really important because that's probably going to happen either if, if he'll can play, it's, it's really going to be in the minutes when the Warriors, either the late quarter when, you know, Steph stays in and a lot of other point guards go out for the kind of the last couple minutes of the first and third, or in the beginning of the second, when the Warriors are playing Clark and Clay or Livingston, we'll see how the rotation manages if Livingston is back. So who plays those minutes for the Jazz, how they fare. That's a really big stretch in every game in this upcoming series is how those teams fare during those kind of late quarter, early quarter stretches when the rotations get a little bit garbled and you might not get the straight starters versus starters or backups versus backups. Utah's point guards are going to have a lot of responsibility there, even though their guards can handle the ball. So a lot of things to look forward to and I would encourage you to watch it. So a little bit of the background on the series. I thought the bullet points were more important, so I put those first. Gobert got hurt 11 seconds into game one, totally deflating for the Jazz, but they still won that game. They won that game on a big game winner from Joe Johnson, and that was 
pretty debilitating for the Clippers, but the expectation was that they still had the advantage. The Clippers then turned around and won game two, which was pretty similar to what I expected after Gobert got hurt. Just didn't happen in game one. And then they went into Utah in Salt Lake City and won game three in pretty similar fashion. Chris Paul in particular was absolutely phenomenal. And I think it was around halftime of that game. Blake Griffin got hurt and it was a, we didn't know then, you know, he did the whole angry slamming the chair thing, but it it wasn't really clear that it was something very serious, just that it was going to keep him out of that game. But then the injury is going to keep him out of the entire playoffs, which totally changed the tenor of this whole thing for the Clippers. And while they won that game five without him, they then lost game four. That was game three without him. Sorry. Then game, they lost game four when he had missed the whole thing. And that was the game when Gobert came back and played limited minutes, looked a little bit slow. And then the Clippers also lost game five, which was when Gobert played 35 minutes. And it was a really fun, one of the most fun games of the whole year of the playoffs. And Gobert played better. Joe Johnson was again awesome, had some big scores himself, had some big assists, including I think it was two to Joe Ingles and one to to George Hill. And the Jazz won that game close. So, I'm sorry, that was game four. And then game five, actually, I think both of those were pretty fun. So now the series is back in Salt Lake City for game six. If the Jazz win, then they play the Warriors on Sunday. So that game will be Sunday, probably actually an afternoon game because that'll be the marquee contest of the day. And if the Clippers win, then there will be a game seven in LA on that same Sunday. So that'll be the marquee game. So basically, that who are, the Jazz are going to be involved in the marquee game on Sunday. It's just whether it's a game seven or a game one. That's the big question there. We already actually know that, you t- that the Cavs are going to play on Monday and also the Spurs and Rockets are going to play on Monday. So that pretty much lines up so that the Warriors would then play on Tuesday if there is a Game 7 in this series. So it'll be a fun one to watch. I, If you're around, you know, I'm not going to tell somebody that they shouldn't do anything else on a Friday night. There are plenty of fun things that people can do. But if you're a basketball nerd like I am, it's going to be a really fun one to watch. And one other way that you can enjoy it is that... Nate Duncan and I are going to do the Twitter NBA show, which is a live show we do on Periscope, which basically you can think of it as like an alternative broadcast. So we commentate the game, we give our analysis live, and you can watch with the sound off and listen to us. It's been really fun. We've enjoyed it so far. And I don't know for that game if we're going to do the whole thing or just the second half or just while it stays in control because it's the last game of the day. So we're usually really tired, but you can check that out. And since I'm on the topic, Nate and I launched something pretty cool. We've had a wonderful response so far. So there's this thing called Patreon, which some of you will be familiar with. Some of you will not. And Patreon is a way that people can contribute to people or projects that they like. And Ours is structured in a way of a monthly contribution. And so basically what what people are doing is we're asking for a certain number, you know, depending on what level you want to be. And either it can support the lower level supports Dunked On and the Twitter NBA show. And then the higher level, we're actually giving original content. So that includes uh, we're going to do AMA style stuff. We're going to just for subscribers. We're going to do audio only like special podcast for them. It's probably going to take the form of mailbags. So people submit questions with Nate and I talk about it and do that. And then we're also going to do subscriber only periscopes, which I'm going to have the task of putting everybody in the periscope thing and everything like that. But it's going to be, it's going to be fun. The response has been wonderful so far. We're deeply appreciative. So if you want to check that out, it's patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash D-U-N-C-A-N-L-E-R-O-U-X. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's a different way of doing it. And if the response is good enough, 
we will actually probably use that as a way of funding doing the Twitter NBA show moving forward because it is very hard to monetize. And who knows, maybe there would be something, if there was an interest, there would be something for me personally involving doing Warriors content that way, just because it's another way to kind of build a stable foundation that doesn't involve advertising. It's an idea. I'm working through a million different things about what I want to do for the Warriors next year. But if there's interest in that, that might be one way to do it. So I'm, I'm again, I'm not making any decisions on that or announcing anything about anything, but that is beyond what Nate and I are doing. But just it's in the back of your mind. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com, at DannyLaRue on Twitter. And if you want to support the show, lots of great ways you can do it. You can subscribe. You can download every episode. You can leave a rating. You can leave a review in whatever podcast player you like. It's great if it's iTunes, but really doesn't have to be. And then also you can support our sponsors. The big one for this week is SeatGeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. And then you go to the settings tab under the promo code Warriors, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Tells me it came from us, all that fun stuff. So thank you so much for listening. The next podcast I do will be on Sunday night. It will either be on game one of Warriors Jazz, or it will be a preview of Warriors versus whoever the heck they're going to play. So that that's really where it's going to be going from there. Really excited about it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward, and it's good to have actual games back. I've liked having a couple of days to focus on other series, and you know, not maybe maybe write a little bit less. And for those of you also who like seeing this in the written form. I'm doing a version of it for The Athletic. It'll probably be up by the time you listen to this. It might be up a little bit later in the day, just depending on how long I decide to stay up tonight. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hey, Bay Area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.